you have the word of the Lord with you, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read 11, 12, and 13. I don't know if I'll get to 13, but uh, we're going to read it anyway. Um, According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. So looking at verse 11, it says, According to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. We look at these words in here, and according is kind of, I mean, it can mean a lot of things, but in keeping with, and in, in keeping with the eternal purpose. We look at eternal. Eternal means forever. For So it says in keeping with, kind of like we could say, the forever purpose, or we can call that actually almost like a plan, which he planned, which God planned in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it's it's amazing when we start looking at these things and see that how God brings all these things together and he brings them together in his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. You know, we look at it. All of these things are according to a divine purpose. And when did he create this divine or think this divine purpose? He did it what? Before the foundation of the world. See, once once he formed the world, and I'm going to get into it a little later, but, you know, it was an unchangeable plan. God didn't change his mind. Once he created the world, he never changed his mind, and he's not going to change his mind. It's, it's, you know, so we, we got to, we understand this, that it, it's a divine purpose. It's before the foundation of the world, and God is not going to change his purpose. Amen. Because we have to understand, if he changes his mind, he's not God. Because these things are immutable, unchangeable. Amen. You know, so when, when we look at these things and this purpose is eternal <laughs> or was in the mind of God from all eternity, it's in his mind. You know, see, we, we think of our computers that we have, like Brother Leroy has a computer. I have a computer. One of these days, Roger might even get a computer. But we're looking at, we look at these things and we think how powerful our computers are. The phones we carry are more powerful than the computer that they had in the Apollo 11 that went up there. It's hard to believe what you hold in your hand was more powerful than that. And and we see these things. So God, he's got all these things. Do you realize that the things that he had in his mind that we can understand that he says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. Because he's got all of this. I, I guess I'm saying in his head, you know, because I'm thinking of, of a man. You know what I mean? A man, you know, God, God is not really a man, although Jesus Christ was God man. You know, I understand that. But all of these things that God had in his mind, his plan of salvation, what he had for everything. You know, when we look back on, on 
Roger, your life, Leroy, your life, uh, Mabel or Amy or, or uh, Gary or myself, that all these things that God had planned for us. You know, when I was growing up, I had never thought anything of being a preacher and speaking about God and Jesus Christ and the love that he has for each and every one of us. But God knew that. He knew exactly. You know, this Ukraine war, the things are going on. This didn't take him by surprise. And I guess our, our heart's prayer and desire should be that God, that you, and I know God allows things to happen, okay? We got to understand that. So, but sometimes we don't understand, God, why would, God, why would you allow Putin to use atomic nuclear bombs or whatever to, to in here? We don't know why and if he would, but we know he has a, a plan and a purpose for that. I mean, people could lose their lives, but we have to understand, you know, it's like this, you know, if God had any plan or purpose, it must be what I was just talking about, sure and eternal. Sure and eternal. God does not change. God does not change at all. And I'm going to go to Malachi. And I know Brother Leroy's probably knowing exactly what I'm going to read. Yeah. Well, chapter 3. Chapter 3, 6, yeah. Um, I'll get there. Hang on a second. Chapter 3, in verse 6, he says, For I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Amen. Amen. That's it. When we realize, for I am the Lord, I change not. And because of that, he says, ye sons of Jacob or Israel, you're not consumed. Because he, he, he realized what they were. And we realized that from Malachi until Jesus Christ was born. How, how many years exactly was that? Was that 400? Was that another 400 years? Something like that. You know, there was basically nothing there, you know. And people kind of did what they, what they wanted to do and everything. So, huh? Yes. Yeah, the silent years and everything. And then God, in his purpose and plan, he came in through his, through a, through a baby. Is born. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which is what? God with us. Wow. When we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you see some of these things, like when they're, they, Peter went out and was walking on the water. And then he started sinking, and then they came into the ship, and Jesus said, you know, peace be still, and boom, it was calm. And what, what, did, what, did, they, what did they say? The, the, the apostles sat there and said, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? He was a man. But he was God, man. It's, it's just, when we see these things, it just, it just helps us to understand these things. You know, when we see the intentions of God, when we look in our lives and we see these things, you know, I'm not talking about the routine daily things, but, but different things that happen in our lives 
those are because of the intention of God. That's what we need to, to get from all of this, that it was intended by God that this was going to happen. Now, we got to go back to Romans eight twenty eight and say that, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together. Now, we don't say that all those things are good. I'm going to use Brother Roger for an example. It wasn't a good thing when he had his cancer, had to go through everything. But there was a reason and a purpose and a plan behind that. And here he is still today. Right, Gary? He's still here today. And he's here. And he's he's a living example of, I'm not going to call it a miracle, but it's, it's God working in Brother Roger. And he's still preaching the word. What a good witness Brother Roger is for the grace of God. The unmerited favor of God and allowing him to continue to go on. Amen. You know, and in, in, in chapter two of Ephesians, for by grace are you saved through faith. That unmerited favor of God. You know, and earlier when it is, he loved us even when we were dead in our sins. Now that, that, when I, when I finally came to the realization, when God opened my mind and said, wow, I, I know I like that for grace, for by grace are you saved, but then when I realized that when we were yet dead in our trespass and sins, if, if you're a child of God, your name was written in the Lamb's book of life, He loved you and He was watching over you in so many different things. You know, we can look at so many different things. Chuck, when he got shot. You know, so many different things we see that God loved Chuck, knew him, even when Chuck didn't know he was a child of God. Amen. To take care of him. And so many things, watching over us. You know what I mean? And, and bringing people together. You know, that's what's it. You know, who would have who thought all those years ago, you know, that... When I met Mabel and, and met her dad and everything and stuff like that, that it was this, these things that God had a plan and a purpose for that. That I eventually met Brother Leroy, met Roger, met Brother Zach, Brother Jimmy, all of these things. So it's, when we see these things, you know, I, it, it should make us to understand and believe, you know, that look at these things and say, God is in control. And it's, it's just, you know what, and what I like is that, you know, we shall not fear what man shall do unto us. And then when we look at these things, that, you know, man can kill you, but what is it, what they say? Fear him which can destroy both body and soul in hell. This is what we need to be looking for. You know, it's just, it's just, it's crazy. When we look at it, it's impossible to get away from the idea that God has a plan. You know, and it's just, when we see these things like creation and everything, you know, and some people want to call it like, well, intelligent design or whatever, you know, 
yeah, that was God. That was the intelligent part of it. And he designed all of this. When we realize that, how can we say that this body that we have happened by chance? That's what they're trying to say. That's like the example that I heard somebody says, if you take, well, any watch, but the one I heard, you take a Rolex watch and you put it on a table and that you say that, okay, in a million years, all those parts are going to come together and you're going to have a Rolex watch. You, you, know, you know that's impossible. That's not going to happen. That, that can be on that table for five million years. That watch is not going to go to get together. But that's what they want us to believe that this body of ours over millions of years, we morph from, uh, cavemen and from that, they came from apes into cavemen and now here we are today. It's ludicrous, but you know what? God has a plan. And the plan is according to what? The purpose of God. It's according to the purpose of God. And we can see that when we were talking about when it talks about in, in chapter two, and it goes later on and it talks that, that at that time we were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We know that's true from reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That Jew and Gentile were this far apart, way far apart. And there was only one way that we were going to come together, and that's through the plan of salvation of God. It's the only way. It's the only way. We know that Jew and Gentile, on their own, were never going to come together. Okay? Just like we, on our own, could never become a child of God. We could never do enough or have enough money to get right with God. It's only through Jesus Christ and what he accomplished upon the cross. Amen. That's all it was. Amen. You know, and, you know, we should be so thankful for that. So thankful for what he did for us, you know, and it's just, and I know sometimes we get kind of like, okay, sometimes we get enough is enough. I know there's been, in, in weeks past, when I would get, the pain would be just so almost unbearable that I, I, I actually, I sat there one time and I said, okay, God, this is enough. <laughs> this is enough, you know? Hey, you know, and, I then I, I come to the realization, you know what? I have to have patience. I think I, I believe that's what God is trying. Have patience. Amen. Have patience. I know that He's given my wife a double helping of patience with me, but it's like, you know, but it's again he says, you know what? It's in God's timetable, not my timetable. And that's what we need when we're looking through here and we see all these things, the mystery of the ages, you know, that brought Jew and Gentile together. It's just awesome, you know. And this plan, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
this plan of salvation. He purposed that in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. He knew exactly the day, the minute, the second that he was going to come into the world. And it wasn't December 25th, okay? But, you know, it was, you know, Mary, how am I, how am I going to be, have a baby when I've, I've never known a man? And the angel said to her, says, you know, the Holy Spirit is going upon you. And that which you are going to have in you is going to be in the Holy Spirit. And all of this was accomplished because of what was in where? The Old Testament. He said it in the Old Testament, and it came to happen in the New Testament. There's so many things that were foretold in the Old Testament that came to happen when? In the New Testament. And it's going to happen in the years and whatever coming up that he talks about in the scriptures. It's so awesome, you know. You know, and, and as Brother Leroy, you were telling me about that. So let, let's go to, oh, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to go to Colossians chapter 2 in verse 9. And when we look at this thing, that, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen. In him, in Jesus Christ, Amen. he's talking about. In him dwelleth, dwelleth. You know, and, you know, in him, remember we, we talked about dwelleth. It resides, for in him resides, for in Jesus Christ resides. It's, it's a part of him. You know what? It can't be taken out of him. That's what we have to understand. You know, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's God-man. You couldn't take that out of him. No way at all. So there he is. You know, when we look at these things and we see this, it is in, you know, I, when, I, when I realize this, and when you start reading this and you studying it out and you see this, you know, one thing we got to understand, I think we, we really need to impose upon people, you know, it's not just for the preachers to study out the word of the Lord. Amen. It's part of your responsibility as members of the congregation to study out some of these things Amen. and see these things. And if you need help, Brother Leroy, Brother Roger, or myself, we can help you. I know I can help Mabel. I can help Amy, you know, David. If he doesn't understand anything, they want to study something out. I can, I can help them. Amen. You know, somebody the other day asked me, you know, well, why do they have, why in the Old Testament do they go into such minute detail about building uh, the tabernacle? All the things, you know, even when it was just a tent that they put up, but even when they told Solomon, you know, here's how you need to put this all together. And you can't, you know, when you bring them stones to the temple, they're going to be perfect and everything so that there is going to be no sound of a hammer or anything when they're building that. So when they put that stone there, 
and it was going to go in that spot, it fit there perfectly in that spot. You know, God was, God was telling him, this is how I want you to do this. This is the how I want you to build it. So, it's there for a reason. You know, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So that was there and meant there because it was inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction. Instruction. When we see these things, it's there for instruction. I know when we go through the one things where, where this one begat this one and blah, 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 and you got all these names and everything. And sometimes, you know, even I've found myself skipping over a lot of that things when you read the Bible. But I like to sometimes put it on for the, to read me the Bible so I can learn how to pronounce some of these names because sometimes they're hard and everything. You know, in him, in Jesus Christ, are all of God's promises and blessings of grace and are designed, are designed, see, this is what we got to say, designed, designed and provided for his people, for us, for us. All these things are for us. These things we're reading in here, according to that eternal purpose, this is for us, you know, in whom we have boldness and access, you know. These things are for us, and we look at these things. And for the execution of the purposes is by him. You know, when Jesus Christ came into the world, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a, a young man when he went out and started preaching. I'm not saying he was old, but he wasn't young. Was that 35, 37 years old, I think it was? 30? Oh, man. 30? He still wasn't young. <laughs> but it was, you know, from 1 to 30. And I know God had, had, had put wisdom and knowledge and understanding. We can see when he was a little child. And he was in there in the midst of all these doctors and lawyers and, and the priests and whatever. And these people probably had to think that there was something special about this little boy. That he was able to question with them and talk them about spiritual things. You would think somebody had to have thought something and said, wow. And how he just continued to grow. But one of the things was that when he went back, that what does it say? He was subject unto his parents, which is a good thing for us to teach our children. He was subject unto his parents. He listened to his mom and dad. So it's, it's, it's a good example that he's given unto us and everything, you know. So when we realize there's, there's a plan and a purpose for all these things that God's talking about. There's a plan for this world. But then his mind goes even farther beyond that plan to say, you know what? 
I've got a plan for each and every one of my children. For all that the Father giveth me shall come unto me. That's a plan of God. And of those that cometh unto me, you look what he says. What does he say? I know he says a lot of things. I will lose not one. <laughs> this is, this is, this is good news. You know, the gospel is the good news Amen. of Jesus Christ. Isn't it good news that you know what? You're never going to be lost. Amen. You're never going to be lost. Jesus has promised us, I will never leave thee. And he goes beyond that and says, you know what? I'm never going to forsake you. He's never going to turn his back upon us. He's not going to turn his back upon us. Amen. And he's never going to leave us. You know, he said, you know what? I'm going to go away. But I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be your comforter. And he's going to be your guide. It's just, when we look at these things, it's just, wow. Here we go. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. When we look at this, in whom, in God, we have boldness. We, we, Jews and Gentiles, we have boldness. We have confidence. And we have access. We have gained admission. We've gained admission into this access. Access to God. Access to Jesus Christ. With confidence. Amen. Praise the Lord. With confidence and trust. With trust by the faith of Him. When we realize this, it's it's just something else. You know, Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. You know, I, I was going to just read verse 16. I want to go to verse 14. 14, 15, 16. Seeing then that we, as we were just talking about the we, Jew and Gentile, it's talking about seeing that we, Jews, or Gentiles, have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast, or let us hold firmly to our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. This is where I wanted to get to. Let us therefore come boldly, unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That boldly there means confidently, just like the back here, boldness. We have that boldness. We have that confidence unto the throne of grace that we may come boldly unto the throne. We've gained admission. We've gained access to that throne of grace that we, Jew and Gentile, may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we can go there we need, we can go to that throne of mercy, can't we? Each and every time. Amen. You know what? When it, when it talks about that, 
you know, how many times have I forgiven my brother? Till seven times? No, he says till 70 times seven. 490 times. This is even greater than that, that we can approach that throne of grace. We can approach that throne of grace innumerable amounts of time. He doesn't say, God doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, well, you've been here a little bit too much lately, so I don't know. I think you, you know, you better wait a few days or something like that, or wait a few weeks. He doesn't tell us that. He doesn't turn us away. Amen. It's always, as many times as we want to go there, he's going to allow us to go there. Because it's showing what? It's showing faith and trust in him. How much faith we have in him, how much trust we have in him. So that we can do that. We can go unto that. It's when we look at these things. Even look at verse chapter 2 in Ephesians. Look at verse 18. And through him, through him, through Jesus Christ, we both have, here we go, we both, so we can see here he's saying we both, Jews and Gentiles, all of us, all of the children of God, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. We have access. We have admission into that. It's just, it's, it's awesome when we look at this and see this and how good he is unto us. You know, when we read these things, when we understand how much is contained in these things. It's these verses, and I know sometimes we just read the Bible and we go through it. That's why I sat there and said, stop and smell the roses. Take your time when you read the Bible to see these things that are in here. Christ is the way of access. To God our Father. Amen. He's the access. Amen. That's the only way. Union with Jesus Christ gives us that access. Because we're together with Him. What does Paul say? I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. That's a, that's a, that's a oneness with Him. That's a union. That's a union with Jesus Christ. That gives us that right. And this access is with boldness. I'm using the word that's in here. Boldness. And this access to Jesus Christ is with confidence. We have confidence, like we were talking about that we can approach that throne of grace. We have that confidence that when we go to him, he's not going to turn us away. For everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh shall findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened unto him. We're not, we're not limited by an amount. We're not limited by an amount when we go unto him. It is by faith. Faith. It is by faith 
And when it's because it's by faith, it's peculiar, peculiar, what? To believers. For he that cometh to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. So that's believers. Believers are the ones that believe, well, believers believe that God is and that he's sitting on his throne of glory today. Amen. And his son, Jesus Christ, is sitting at his right hand making intercession for us. I was looking through some notes I, I had in everything, you know, and, you know, he's sitting at the right hand, you know, and isn't that awesome? Where we have access to that. We have access to that. Amen. It's through him. I just, it's, 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 it's crazy. And it, it arises from what? It being by the faith of Christ. It's by the faith that we have him and by the faith of Christ. This is, when we look at these things, you know, and, you know, it's when, when I look at verse 13, I don't want to really go in there, but I want to just look at it and say, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not of my tribulations for you, which is your glory. What a statement the Apostle Paul makes there. I, you know, Brother Roger, he's many, many times talked about that. How many things did, did Paul go through? Left for dead, shipwrecked, all these things and everything. All the tribulations he went through, you know, it, and, you know, but Paul was going through these things with God and with Jesus Christ. He was not alone. He was not alone. He was going through all these things, you know, and we look at it. He said, don't fate at my tribulations. Because all these things were for your glory, to help you, to be with you. And that's still as much appropriate then as it is today for us. When we see all these things that Paul went through, he went through all those things, not just for them people back there, but for us also. How good he, how good he is to us, isn't it, when we look at these things and see that all the things that Paul went through. And I think you've heard me say before that, you know, you know, we realize and look at it and we say, I couldn't blame Paul if he would have just sat there and said, I give up. I can't do this no more. It's just, but, you know, we look at it and he plowed through this thing. Even when he went to God and he said when he had that thorn in the flesh, and he wanted God to take it away, or Jesus to take it away. What did what did what did Jesus say to him? My grace is sufficient for thee. So if it was sufficient for Paul in that situation, his grace is sufficient for each and every one of us today. I thank you for your kind attention this morning.